Good evening again. Welcome to another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I know we smack bang in the middle of the World Cup and most people's attentions focused on the big shock yesterday, of course, with Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Well, there have been a couple of shocks lately in the sevens tournaments with the Blitzpocker having a bit of a difficult run. So we thought we'd get hold of the new coach, Sandile and Kobo. Sticks and Kobo, welcome to From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Nice to have you on the show. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Sandile, first of all, let me start off by saying, my goodness, you've had a step into a really, really big pair of rugby boots, haven't you? No, hundred percent. I think that that's that's no that's no secret. But I think one should be very careful not to compare themselves to someone that's been there for that long. So, running my own journey, different, same management, different taste, uh, same wheel, different tire. Absolutely, very well put. I think that's a lovely analogy of it. But it still remains the most difficult supporters in the history of the world, South African supporters, and they want nothing less than victory. And it doesn't just happen. Yeah, and 100%. It's a, it's, it's a hardworking process because, I mean, everything that happens off the field with our culture it contributes massively to the way we go about do, doing things and how we dominate and execute on the on the field. So. It's been a whole lot of, it took a couple of situations and scenarios to actually figure out that this needs to be sorted out off the field stuff and creating more depth and, um, and so that we can get, get to the standard and place where we want to be. So yeah, hundred percent. We're very fully aware that our supporters are tough and they want nothing more than results. So tell us a little about yourself, your history, because obviously we need to learn about the new coach. We've not really been exposed to you much. Yeah, I'm uh, more of an introvert. I mean, I'm working from home now, so I'll probably go out and do stuff. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a guy from Alexander Township in Joburg. I grew up there, went to a small school, large school Nobel in Morofontaine, and moved to Highlands North Boys High. Yeah, was raised by my parents, um, then moved to a very little, very little house raised by a man called Kurs from Milan, who taught me more about rugby and more about life. And yeah, and that's how I uh, developed into this guy that I am. Little rugby, and then yeah. yeah, that's where I ended up. It's very interesting because obviously you and I grew up on the different side of a fence. I mean, I was in Bramley on the opposite side of of Alexandra, and yeah. you don't think, and maybe that's just cliched, but that somebody out of Alexandria would be end up being coach of a Springbok Sevens rugby team. It wasn't something that was in your DNA as a kid, was it? No, no, not at all. I think I have to give massive credit to the people that contributed to planting the seed and watering that seed to being the player and uh, the coach that I am and the man that I am today. So it definitely wasn't in, on, on, on the cards. I mean, every kid that touches a rugby ball uh, dreams of being a Springbok, and that's 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 that was the dream. And then, of course, I mean, I must be honest. I know I'm talking a bit about myself, but I used to drive past Highlands North Boys High School every single day of my life. It didn't strike me at school that was going to produce great rugby players, is it? No, hundred percent not. I think the phase that we were in when we had a new principal that was that loved that had more passion for rugby, and he pulled, he he just 
brought a lot of culture, boys' culture into the school, and there was so much discipline. And he had businessmen just uh, and the old boys uh, contributing, getting stuck into bursaries, and and that's how it changed the sport of the school. It became such a strong school, and we competed against strong guys. And I, I came from actually Afrikaans school to to Highlands North at a grade ten. And that's how I ended up there. And then I wanted to compete against the boys' schools as well. So, yeah, he really changed it. And then that phase and just literally just changed and it planted a seed in, in, in a lot of township boys and a lot of boys that never even uh, thought that they'll touch a rugby ball. Some guys even converted from being soccer players into rugby players and being cricket players into being rugby players or soccer players. So it was that period of time was, was so special for the school. And then, of course, off to the University of Johannesburg, and that obviously is where everything, I guess, changed for you. Varsity rugby, what an amazing innovation in South African sport, not just varsity rugby, but all the events that are now televised from university level, from soccer to netball and to hockey. That, I guess, was really where the more professional side of your rugby playing career began, if you like. Yeah, 100%. I think that's when I, I started understanding more about what a professional athlete has to do and, and what it takes to be um, a professional athlete and a student, you know. So it was, it was extremely difficult, but it was, it was such an incredible journey because here you are living and you, you're training, you're training at the stadium, but you're seeing all your, all the guys that you've dreamt about and the guys, so the guys that you, you look up to, you had them on your wall, you know, your jock for um, and the, the, those guys were on your on your wall. Those those were the centers at that time, you know. So really special, really special, and incredible, incredible credit to 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 FNB for for just investing so much into varsity sports, and it's just changed it's it's changed the way things are being done at the age group level, and all the way up to the beneficial of the unions because. The, the schools and the guys that come out of school, whether it's netball, hockey, soccer, rugby, swimming, are competing at a higher level that the school, the scouts and the unions have got a very good pool to select from. They actually seem that the very best out of the students or young athletes while the students is um, accomplishing um, or chasing their degree. Yeah, and I guess that's the most important part of it all, ultimately, because there's only a select few that can go on and turn their passion or their hobby into a profession. And the universities now with bursaries and the ability to make sure that guys come out of school and are not lost to the game, whichever game it might be, is fantastic. The system that there's now been put in place, which I might add, if I may, and I'm not name-dropping because we do go back a long way, but Francois Pinar, whom I'm proud to say is one of my friends, uh, was instigating, was the instigator in putting the uh, Varsity Cup together. And I don't know how many people actually know this, but Francois was not a great rugby player until he actually went to Rante Frigant's University. And there he started showing some skill and went on to be the captain, as we all know, of the 95 winning Rugby World Cup team. 
Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I'm fully aware of that of that story. Actually, the the brains behind the varsity sports and to a specific rugby is this Francois Pinard, you know, and massive credit to him, um, F&B respectively. So to be honest with you, I, I think he was a late bloomer. This is not the first time that I've heard this, uh, this story about him. He was in the same era as the man that raised me. So to hear it from you as well, it's actually, um, it just puts the pin down that it is true. He was a late bloomer, but it just shows you how much hard work and perseverance takes you, how far hard work and perseverance takes you. It's not, it's not the talent. It's not necessarily the talent, but there's just guys that have grit and are mentally tough and they just develop a little bit of skill a little bit later and understand the game a little bit later. Those are the guys that persevere and they can last longer. So let's talk now about your team and Sevens Rugby in particular. We obviously yeah. have come off, as I mentioned, huge rugby boots that you've had to fill. The yeah. Blitzbocker went on a tremendous run, but things have slowed down a little, if I may say, trying to be polite. As again, and I'll mention it because it is so important that we South African fans only know one thing, and that's win. You lose one game and it's the end of the world, <laughs> whether it's a cricket yeah. game or, or a soccer game. I don't know what it is. The ultimate goal is is never in our vision. It's always what's happening in those, in your case, 15, 14 minutes or whatever, and 18 yeah. minutes on a rugby field. So the, you've yeah. obviously got to re reignite that passion in South African fans. How are you going to do it? Oh, again, I think the, the big thing is just to focus on and ourselves and us and bringing the passion back into our jersey and who we are and identity on and off the field so we can play with passion and have true understanding. The way we play is based on our on-field idea and off-field idea. So if we really hone that and chase who we are and how we want to play on the field, the results will take care of itself and really chase the process of executing who we are and the plan and what we spoke about. We speak we speak about set face dominance. We speak about tackle completions and being the most physical, but not even the biggest. Once we start living that out on the field and to a certain standard in percentage wise, measured by that in our effort, I think um, I truly believe that the Blitzbox supporters will get the team back and, and believe again. One of the things that's been very noticeable for me is when the guys look happy on the field they're playing their best rugby am i right yeah yeah and we've seen glimpses of that this week you know like i said there was a lot of on-field stuff a lot of uncertainty uh contracts guys moving the group is maturing as well you know they're not these they are young men but they're actually young men that are at different phases in their lives so we we needed to yeah, we've got a lot of work to do and we've, we've, we've got our gloves stuck in. So this week in the way we worked hard for each other and, and understanding what we're trying to accomplish as a group and where we're going, it's just brought smiles and our efforts, specifically our efforts in, in accomplishing the process and the plan that we executing the process and plan that we're trying to achieve really brought smiles and, and, and satisfaction. So. Uh, and they, they had smiles doing that, you know. So uh, again, the, the trick is find the sweet science is finding the balance between then being truly focused and having enjoyment and it not ending up being fun because we believe fun is kids running around with blue mouths and purple mouths, but enjoyment is doing something you love at the highest level. The program is called from the boardroom to the locker room and it's called that for a, for a specific reason. And that is that we tackle boardroom issues with administrators 
and most of the time it's controversial, and I'll be honest with you. And then the yeah. locker room is talking to somebody like you and getting to know players and getting to know coaches and so on and so forth. Yeah. However, I do believe that where credit is due, it needs to be given when I talk about the boardroom and the South African administrators with regards to Sevens Rugby and others, I think have done and tell me if I'm wrong, an outstanding job. You've got a camp, you've got the support from them for Sevens Rugby. When you consider the money-making machine for them are the world champions, the 15-man side. They've not forgotten about you guys, and they've given you tremendous support. No, 100%. And if you look at the guys that have graduated to from us to them, it just shows you that when we work together and really back each other and create this system, the Springbok system, a Springbok badge and culture, we go a long way. So we have to, we, we took a lot of energy from them. We, we inspired by them. They run the flag and when they're down and we, we also run the flag. So we have to give credit to you and give credit due to their efforts and how they have passion. So they're very passionate about that badge and you can, you can't talk about such things. You can only show it. So, and that's, and that's, that's, that's the energy we take off them. We want to make them proud as well. And you're also a feeder to the, to the Springbok 15, which again must be a little difficult for you as the coach. You develop a star and then the next he's gone. Yeah, I think that's, that's what we call winning. I think we, we speak of success and winning. And if you, if someone asks us about winning, he says Cheslin is, is, is us winning. Kurt Lee is us winning. Colonel Hendricks is us winning. You understand? Kwaha is us winning. Yeah. That's when a system has won. When guys go graduate and move on to 15s and go live out the culture and the standards of playing this game. That and being the man that you are out there. That's what we call winning. Success is the results that we get and the, how we implement the processes. So I know it's tough to actually to hear that because you guys know of one winning. But that's what we call winning when they then graduate to a different area without it. It's hard to let them go. It's very hard. I mean, from a high performance manager point of view, Mario Schumann, it's difficult because we scout these guys, develop them, and then all of a sudden we lose them. And then sevens guys, to develop a sevens guy is not that easy. It's really not easy. It takes a lot of work. And by the time he's sharp, he's such a weapon that everyone wants them, you know. So um, we're competing against massive budgets. Tell me, how difficult, and I've not played at any level that I'd like to even mention, and the best (laughs) I've done is in the park next to the swings and toss the ball around, and after five minutes I can't breathe. How do you compare the style of sevens rugby to 15-man rugby in a technical aspect? Is it similar to... You can be a white ball cricketer and bash it around in a 20-over game, but when it gets to a test match, I don't mean this with disrespect. Certain players are like out of their depth. Is there a different way of you training them? And is it very difficult to transition from sevens to 15-man rugby? I understand the difference in time and the, the, the physicality, et cetera, et cetera. But is it very different? No, it's not at all different. I think it's... The, the time, yeah, the, it's the intangibles that, that you don't see that really matter, you know. Um, so in, in 15s, where you have to catch a high ball, you catch it on your chest. But in 7s, uh, kickoffs are so critical to just to get the, it's one of the easiest way to give your ball away and get it back. You need to catch the ball with, at the, at, at its highest point. 
So for, for that guy, where everyone needs to be able to jump very high. So then your conditioning comes into play and the technical part of what to look at and where to kick and how you must jump and why you must jump behind them. Maybe you can slip the ball. So it's very, very, very detailed. I know 15s is detailed, but in, in sevens, it's a one-on-one battle. And it's when we speak about, I know they said in 15s, but yeah, it's the game of margins. Like literally the detail matters. The slightest detail matters. If I can tell you that you, you miss four tries, four of the, two out of the four, if the tries are conceded and then and if you don't chase someone down and they don't and they score under the poles and not in the corner, you lose by two points. That's a yeah. massive, massive difference. So it's just the intangibles that you don't see that makes it, that makes the game different. But ultimately it's the game. It's rugby. So, There's the poles, the scrum. Yeah. So at school, the guy that had the big tummy was always the prop. And that was me. And I will never say this to the beast or Kitchoff. <laughs> but in but in sevens rugby, as opposed to fifteen man rugby, there's nowhere to hide. You can't like lie under the ruck for two or three minutes and get your breath. <laughs> yeah, in two or three minutes we'll be we'll be back in the change yeah. room having exactly. orange. <laughs> yeah, not at all. I think our prop will resort to a big, a big wing, big tall yeah. wing flanker that's uh, very explosive, a center that's very explosive. So that's the type of guys that we'll look at. We'll, we'll be looking at the mold that we're looking at. So if, if I can think, then you think of Dylan Sage, you think of Chris Dry, Philip Sneiman, you think of Frankie Horn, you think of uh, Guaja Smith, you think of Tim Agaba. That's the mold that you were looking at. And then at hooker, we obviously look for six flank or a 12. Very robust and has a, a phenomenal work ethic. A couple of uh, big weekends coming up for you. In particular, your uh, attempt at winning in front of your home crowd here in Cape Town at the Cape Town Stadium. That must be, I guess, as close to top of the list for you as anything else. Yeah, 100%. We can't move away from it, to be honest with you. I must I must say that's the talking point for us was we don't even want to talk about it because that's a different beast. We want to focus on Dubai and we want to take it. And we want to come with a hungry mentality coming to Cape Town and we want to make bring a bit of pride back and we want to play for ourselves so that you can have the results and the passion and feel what we are feeling back to you and give it back to you guys in the way we play. So we understand your pain, we feel your pain, and we want to give you that satisfaction in the way we play. But if we focus on the results, then we lose the process of playing to our true identity and our standards. So that's that's the whole thought process. But to be honest with you, we are looking forward and we, we want to we wanna give you guys a my good efforts and a good show. Well, Santili, I know that I'm part journalist, but mainly fan. And after this conversation with you, I really feel a lot more comfortable that our Springbok 7s are back on the right track. I love your attitude. I love the way you think. I think it's fantastic. And even if half of that rubs off, which I'm sure much more of it will, on the guys on the field, I think we're going to be back to winning ways very, very quickly. And we look forward to welcoming you here in Cape Town and thanking you for being with us on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Until next time we chat, uh, all the best on the travels. And, of course, the round trip back to the beautiful Mother City where you'll be greeted. I don't want to make you feel like a bit of pressure, but there'll only be 50,000 yelling, screaming, <laughs> Capetonians, <laughs> like waving flags and 
wearing fuff the clad bikinis and all sorts of other crazy things, making sure you guys win here in Cape Town. Thanks so much for your time. No, thank you. We appreciate you guys. That is the new Springbok Sevens coach, Sandili and Sticks on the show with us here. And what a pleasure it's been chatting to him. And I'm sure I guarantee you that our Springbok Sevens team will be back to their flying best very soon. That's tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Don't forget to join us again tomorrow evening, where guess what? We'll be talking rugby again. Bye for now.